For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Today's podcast is sponsored by Benign Images. Benign Images is a storyteller consulting company. Through meaningful dialogue and guidance, they help storytellers of all kinds to tell the stories that they feel they have a need to tell. Whether it's through simple editor services, consulting, or helping creatives to set up an effective work habit, Benign Images will work with you to help you become a better storyteller. Start your project with them today by visiting their website, benignimages.com. That is benignimages.com. B-E-N-I-G-N images.com. Go check them out. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we've got on another special guest. This is Martina Marcota, aka Lady Alchemy. She is a performance artist and she does a whole lot more. She's a very interesting lady, but we'll get into that. Welcome to the show, Marcota. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Good, good. Awesome. So I've just done a very quick intro there, but why don't you introduce yourself for those who don't know you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into all of it, but uh, I am from New York. My name is Martina Marcota, and uh, I was a performance artist uh, in the New York City nightlife scene for about a decade. And um, yeah, I mean, I dress up in costumes, and I perform for like Google holiday parties, <laughs> Xerox, uh, Fashion Week, uh, all sorts of stuff uh, in New York City. And um my story is that uh, they found out about my politics, which did not go over well with the New York City art scene. And uh, I got blacklisted. And uh, yeah, my career kind of uh, got ruined after that. Wow. Yeah. So we met in London um, at an event yeah. about a couple of months ago now. And I'd heard about you. I think, you, I think you'd heard about me. I'd heard about you. Hmm but it was our first time meeting and I, I wasn't aware of all the sort of backstory. So I'm really interested to get into that. In terms of the, the performance style you do though, how would you describe it to someone who's not familiar with it? Yeah, I mean, performance art is is very strange. Uh, I mean, I love uh, the avant-garde. So, um, I mean, you can put me into a box. I have done, you know, traditional burlesque. So you can, I, you can say burlesque, uh, definitely some of that. That's been very popular lately, the past few years with events and uh, all that stuff. So yeah, you could say burlesque corsets and all that, that stuff. But I do like to kind of veer into a little bit of a strange kind of place by doing instrumental music, like really strange stuff, pulling really interesting um, music uh, that I find that no one has heard of before, because I like to have, you know, being in the music industry, when someone um, hears something, uh, music, uh, it's it's a, I think smell is the closest sense tied to memory, but audio is, is also triggers memories for people. So instead of performing to some like top 40 song, you know, uh, where people already have memories and associate that song to something already, I like to find really strange, weird audio music that people have never heard before. So when I perform and I come out in costumes, I tend to have headdresses and robes and do this slow-mo, I call it sculpture dancing, where, you know, I move around like super slow, like I'm posing. Uh, like an ancient sculpture mm. and uh, that kind of creates an association for like an original like in that moment they are just experiencing something new for the first time so that's what I like to do it's really fun for events and you know just out of nowhere you know a woman comes out in costume and is just like moving around and it always creates an experience it's super fun yeah so how did you get into the scene well, I got into the scene because I was always into um, pinups, you know, those old fashioned fifties mm. pinups. I, I always, uh, I always liked that aesthetic. And I think that I have like a vintagey look. 
so I got into pinup modeling and I did that like <laughs> over 10 years ago. And uh, the pinup modeling scene kind of lends itself with the burlesque scene. And uh, I've always loved performing since I was a little girl. Like I can remember being like under 10 years old and and uh, we had in the backyard what's called the nature stage. It's like a piece of land that kind of came up and plateaued and had moss on it. And I would call it the nature stage. And I would make up like shows and create like posters, you know, be like show happening, you know, Martina. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I've always been into performing. It's always been a childhood dream. So to do like the burlesque kind of stuff, what I, I mean, I'm no ballerina. I've taken ballet, you know, I, mm -hmm. I love all the traditional arts, but that is a really, really intense form of, um, I mean, that's like trying to be an NBA pro basketball player or football player, you know, it's like, yeah. it, it's a long shot and it's like you train since you were three years old to do that. And so, I mean, I'm not going to be any professional ballerina, but uh, you know, it's a form of being able to create a performance, be the center you know, star, have, make costumes. I remember also being really young and seeing cousins and stuff that could afford, uh, my family could never afford putting me in dance class, but uh, when I saw cousins and stuff that had that, that would do dance class and we'd go to their house and they had a chest full of costumes. And it was just so exciting as a little girl, we were like, oh my God, all these costumes and we'd play dress up and I get to do that for a living now. Yeah. And that's so true did you, true. So did you grow up in New York? Yes, yes. Yeah, I was born okay. in New York City, and I grew up in the Hudson Valley, New York, which is quite lovely. Oh, nice. And where's your where's your family background from, actually? Well, I'm first generation American, so uh, I'm the first born in the United States. Uh, my mom and my older sister and my father were born in Croatia. Okay, okay. I was guessing somewhere in Central or Eastern Europe, but I wasn't exactly sure where. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been to Croatia a couple times, actually. Most, most people guess that. Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> it's, oh, in, wow. it's in the name. I gotta too, go. Too, I'm yeah. in Europe right now. I'm in the UK right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to get more into your story. So you said you were in the New York scene working as a performance artist for 10 years, mm -hmm. and then people discovered stuff about your politics, as you put it and you got blacklisted. So that sounds like there's a whole ton of stuff that we need to dive into there. Um, I mean, how did that unfold? Let us know what happened. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, I mean, I was, you know, like I said, I was pretty well known in the industry. I was climbing my way up. I'm on billboards. I'm still on a billboard in Vegas. It's been up for years. So uh, hopefully they don't take that down anytime soon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was a part of the New York City nightlife icon scene. Um, and top of the top, as far as I'm concerned, did extremely well, never worried about money. I, I, every night performing, I was a star, you know? Yeah. And um, the 2016 election with Trump was really intense. I mean, we are all really, really aware of how uh, divisive and vitriolic that whole thing was. And it was a bit surprising because I've always been a Republican. Mm -hmm. How dare you? you? Know, my mom being from Crow... <laughs> I know. <laughs> my mom being from Croatia, Cro <laughs> I know, basically. My mom being from Croatia, she's, you know, very conservative, and uh, I was raised that way. Um, and then becoming in the artsy New York scene, I, I thought I was a bit socially liberal, but mm -hmm. uh, fiscally conservative and always voted conservatively. Uh, that was just what my politics were. But then I started noticing some strange things um, happening really fast. Uh, I mean, the modeling industry started promoting um, the strange and the ugly instead of uh, the beautiful. And uh, it kind of got on my nerves because beauty became out of fashion. It became how weird and strange you were, how, you know, having some sort of deformity or whatever became hailed in the modeling industry. And I was like, Mm, this is a bit off. Like this is anti, like what modeling industry is about. No offense to the people um, involved. Uh, but and then I noticed uh, all my gay friends and stuff and drag queens that I was around. Uh, uh, they, they, I remember them saying something. They're much younger than me, and they said something, and I said, "Oh, that's reverse racism." 
All right, remember that term. Um, mm -hmm. And they were like, actually, reverse racism isn't doesn't exist because um, institutional racism, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then th that was the first time I remember hearing that like institutional racism definition. It's a long-winded thing. And I was just blown away. I was like, what? <laughs> racism when, when, is hate against this? another race. I was going to say they're, um, they're right as far as re reverse racism doesn't exist because it's right, all racism. Right. But um, but then yeah. they brought that institutional racism definition into play, and uh, it was, I don't know, maybe like 2011, 12. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's when, I, that's and, when I noticed things getting weird too. Yeah, and and I was like, what is this? I've never heard this definition. They were younger, and I was just like blown away. Like you can't just change the definition of racism. Racism is racism. Yeah. that's that's what it is you you can't say actually institutionally so you can't be racist against white people i was like oh my god this is crazy but they kind of like laughed me off as like you know that like old racist uncle that you have in the family and you love them you know you love oh, them wow. anyway they come around the holidays say something crazy and you just go oh ha 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 you know uncle george is crazy mm. do, <laughs> you you do you remember what it was that you pointed out as being reverse racism I, I can't, no. I, I just remember like that moment and visually seeing him and, and having his whole like gay swag being like, actually, and I'm just like, what? Uh, but the <laughs> actual thing, I don't remember. It was, it was, you know, probably someone doing something mm -hmm. racist against a white person. And I was like, well, that's a bit. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they used to just laugh me off as the kind of uh, Republican racist, like, yeah, <laughs> uncle. Not not that I'm racist at all, but yeah, you know, yeah. in their perspective, it was that's how they kind of treated me. Was like, oh, you know, our silly friend over here, don't mind yeah, her. Yeah. And uh, so that was that. They all knew that I was uh, conservative, but I was very accepting and loving. Like I said, I considered myself socially liberal, so I was. A, they they loved me, and it was no issue. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I would go to Pride with them. I would perform at Pride with them. I was just really, really immersed in that. Uh, they they called the club. I don't know if you've heard of the club kids. There's a club kid scene in New York. That's pretty much where like gays and very extravagant costumes and they go out to the clubs and stuff. So that was my scene. Um, so I was around them all the time. Mm -hmm. But then uh, things kind of started getting more and more. Uh, you know, uh, progressive, I guess. I don't even want to say liberal because it gives them too much credit. Uh, just very progressive in the new definitions. And then trans became very big. And obviously I'm around that world. Um, and again, I was accepting and, and whatever. I didn't agree with everything. I'd be like, well, you're not a woman, <laughs> no matter what. I'm a woman, you don't understand what it's like to be a woman, but sure, you know, I'll call you she and like play along, like it's fine. I was very respectful, yeah. but I had my own opinions of like, eh, I don't really agree with that, but like, okay, uh, sure, sure thing, girl, you know, like whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, just things just started getting more and more um, intense in regard to the social stuff. And that's when I kind of felt like, think maybe I'm socially not so liberal, <laughs> you know? Well, and, it's, it's, uh, it can happen that you just stay in the same place yeah. and the world or certain people move away from you. Right, I mean, right. in terms of socio-political views and outlook, I don't feel like I have moved very much at all in the past 15 years. Yeah, but no, it seems like I have just because the world has sort of, the Western world anyway, Certainly yeah. the English speaking Western world has yeah. kind of is just running off this cliff very, very quickly to the stage where they're trying to completely, you know, you ask some of these people, what's the definition of a man or what's the definition of a woman? And they can't actually give you a definition. Oh my God, it's crazy. Right? It's, it's like, it's like, ob it's like a, objective reality is just supposed to be, is just yeah. being obliterated. And right. by being objective about it, people try to ascribe horrible labels to you mm -hmm. or say that you're mean or say that you're you're backwards somehow or something. I'm like, wait, hang on. Like five years ago, everybody here was yeah. uh, like, this is new. Like, don't. Yeah. And I'm, ex to... I'm as accepting yeah. as you can get. But just yeah. the fact that I may not agree with everything, but be accepting of everything. Yeah. Suddenly I'm like some bigot. It's just, it's crazy. And, uh, and then I remember in 2013, I think it was around then, uh, I was flown out to Rochester, upstate New York with, uh, my agent flew me out there and a bunch of us performers would go out there, Cirque people, you know, Cirque du Soleil type 
circus people, uh, clowning, you know, people on stilts, uh, all sorts of different performers. And I, they sent me out there to some casino to perform for New Year's Eve. Now it's way upstate New York near Canada. I don't know if you've ever been way up there, but it's freezing New Year's Eve freezing, blowing winds, uh, and all this stuff. And as performers, you carry a bunch of luggage with you, right? So I remember loading up into this vehicle, freezing out, and I had this big luggage, and we had to go in a, in a van. You know, there's like that extra step, and you have to like lift something into the vehicle. Now, something that I know about being a like woman is trying to make man, men feel manly. And one of the things is, well, first of all, men have more upper body strength. It's fact. Second you? of all, a way of making them. Have you, have you not seen my? Have you not seen my deadlift video? I did that as a woman. No, but wait, I think I heard about it because yeah, you do the okay. working out stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, men have more upper body strength. It's a fact. I've got all the thigh power in the world. I don't think men can compete with my thigh power, <laughs> <laughs> but the upper body certainly men hands down. And also, it's just like a feminine thing of like men feeling useful when you know they can help a beautiful lady out it makes them feel like you know like I'm the man kind of thing yeah, yeah. so I was kind of struggling with this bag and going oh is, is there a man around that can help me lift this <laughs> right and the other performers were like we don't need men you know and I was like <laughs> I remember stopping and being like what are you talking about we don't need men that is the most ridiculous statement ever Insulting. Did, did they mean that specifically for that moment or did they just mean that generally? They meant it in a feminist general way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that whole that whole trip was was crazy because these feminist types like I think that's just the way that I was rubbed everyone the wrong way, um, except for the Cirque people. I think Cirque is secretly conservative because they never disclose their politics. When everyone was attacking me, they were actually really friendly with me. They were buddy buddy with me. And uh, you know, when people don't disclose their politics, they're probably conservative, you know? And know. also um, Cirque, <laughs> Cirque people, uh, they tend to it runs in the family, like they get trained through their family and it's very, very vigorous. It's a very hard form. It's something they train and, and you know what it is, it's the conservative value to, to be uh, disciplined and to train and to, you know, have the family teach you this thing that it's passed down to tradition, family after family. So I think they're secretly conservative. It was just the other performers that were like the burlesque girls that were like, and you don't need men and all this stuff. And I remember like, that's crazy. That is the craziest statement ever. And then that reminds me to fairly close to 2016. Uh, I was in a dressing room at this theater that I worked in. And at the time uh, I was single and I was approaching 30 and I was like really concerned because I was like, I want to have kids. Uh, I, I, you know, which means I need to find, if I find a man tomorrow, it, re it would require a few years to date, then to marry, then to have it. So I was worried about my age and, and not having anyone. And I was expressing this concern backstage. And uh, I remember a girl going, we don't need men. You don't need kids. Men are just accessories to use. And I was like, oh God. Well, this was their mindset. So yeah. these were the things that I noticed going on. And I noticed that I was starting to have a like rift between, and I felt alone. I felt like, am I like going crazy? Am I the only, am I stuck in the past? Like <laughs> with my mentality and the way that I was raised, like the world is changing around me and it's really scary. I don't understand this world that I live in. No, nothing I say they would be acceptable if I said something they'd go well actually and I'm just like oh my God, I can't. like nothing I say is acceptable to these people I'm just trying to say like, normal things yeah and they're just like well that's inappropriate because mm. a b and c I'm like, oh problematic yeah probably there you go that's yeah, the word, that, that, that's the word. word. Yeah, whenever, yeah. I, whenever I I hear or read that word I'm just like a part of yeah, a part like, of me inside is just like oh gosh it's you're one of them right you now. know it's problematic the word problematic okay <laughs> I have times when I want to use that word in its correct term. Yes, yeah. In, in its yeah. correct sense, yeah. but I hesitate to because it's just been it's just been ruined by these people. Like there's certain words that yeah. I used to use and it's like I can't even use this now because you've just destroyed the meaning of it by calling sandwiches and uh certain drinks and certain animals problematic and everything's problematic and I'm just like seriously like you just Ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Anyway, carry on. I yeah. don't want to interrupt your story. Yeah, no. 
no interrupt anytime so tell me let me know if i'm talking too much because i can it's just all good this going. is the it's my show but it's your show <laughs> okay yeah no so that was you know all these little things and i felt like i just didn't belong in this world and then the 2016 election came up and um you know it was just very very vitriolic towards Trump. My mother was a Trump supporter before me. I was like, oh, Cruz, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, Trump, Tina, Trump. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> interesting. And then I went to the Breitbart party and I met like uh, Matthew Doyle, uh, Boyle, Boyle, not Doyle, uh, Matthew Boyle. Doyle is, I think, our friend. You were on with, with Andrew. Doyle. Oh, Andrew, that's, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. I was thinking, yeah. No, uh, Matthew Boyle, uh, who was running Breitbart and I was talking to him and I was like, so who do you think? And he's like, Trump. And I'm like, really? And this is still primaries. I was like, mm. wow, like this is legit. So yeah, things got exciting with that. But then, um, so yeah, I was secretly going to conservative events and kind of dabbling out there. You know, for years I was on the internet uh, just educating myself and watching videos, reading, you know, things and learning about cultural Marxism, like all these things. So I was definitely full-blown conservative and really frustrated by what I was seeing um, going on and, and the progressiveness going on. So it was a natural fit that I ended up just becoming a Trump supporter. Um, and then, uh, but everyone else around me. So at the theater that I worked at, they were doing anti-Trump acts. They were talking about him being Hitler and like all this stuff. And just, it, they had performances that were anti-Trump and very political uh, stuff. And I remember just being like, mm. yeah. <laughs> seeing the performances. I mean, I'm like, oh God. Yeah, stuff like that. So stuff much. like that is weird Actually, in the world of arts and performance and music because I mean, I know, I know, I know they, these things get politicized and it's okay for them to be politicized to a degree. But I think what's weird is when you're in a circumstance where it's almost, it's almost just assumed by default that everybody oh, was shares the same position. You, you see what I mean? So just like, yeah. I don't know if and I, I mean, did some, yeah, so I was just going to say like, if, say if I organized some music festival, right, I wouldn't mm. like, it wouldn't be a conservative or a libertarian music festival right? it would just be totally apolitical like i wouldn't i wouldn't stand on right. stage and assume right. that everybody in the crowd likes the same politician i do or supports the same thing as i do so i, I right. wouldn't like i just wouldn't bring that into the thing so i find it weird when there's just this assumption oh okay well everyone must agree everyone here obviously hates trump so let's just create a whole thing i mean whether it's yeah. i mean that'll be awkward for some of the performers awkward for some of the people in the audience because I'm sure you have some people in the audience who, mm -hmm. you know, are are fine with him. So it's like, well, why or why are you bringing that into the thing? Or even when they do it with certain, when certain companies do it too. Um, I don't know. It's like yeah. just, I just want my I just want my coffee. I just want my hamburger. I don't want I don't want politics with it. Just <laughs> it's really yeah, strange. certainly. And um, yeah, no. I mean, for me, it's like if if it were balanced, like I would have no problem with it. Like I would have no problem with political jokes or political acts or whatever. When, um, you know, the host on the mic at this theater, she was saying, Oh, you, you white people, you just need some black Kenya or something like oh, <laughs> white people this, white people that like, yeah, yeah. you know, and I was just kind of like, this is like a bit racist. Like, mm. what? like it was so vitriolic towards like white people. I was like, calm down uh and then it was just so vitriolic towards like trump it was like he's hitler like all this stuff i was like hitler was a socialist whatever though uh you know just like it, it was just so one-sided and like you say it was very assumed mm -hmm. um but if it were you know the host was really balanced you know when she was like poke fun at white people and then like make like a black joke and then make, you know yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. like now let's not forget about you agents or something you know, yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. funny and everyone feel included and insulted equally, but you can tell that it was very, very pointed. And then if you have political stuff going on, it's like you can make a make a dig at Republicans, make a dig at like Democrats. We can all laugh. I yeah, think that's yeah. a really classy show. I would have no problem with that. But yeah, like you said, it was very one sided. And uh, then I would notice on, you know. Facebook, like all 5,000 friends that I had from, you know, the New York City nightlife scene, all the people I worked with, my producer, my director, my agent, I was friends with everyone on Facebook, you know, I could see that feed all the way up to election night was just so 
oh my God, the things, we all remember what it was, just the mind numbing things that they say. And I was really good about being like, oh, I want to say something so bad. But like, you know, it's just going to be a fight with people that you don't want to be fighting with, people you go to work with, people that are your friends, you know? And it's just like, like, I just, I was holding it in so much that I thought, this is not healthy. Like I want to be able to express myself somehow. So, um, and I had a lady alchemy Twitter account, which was just purely lady alchemy stuff. I did not post anything unrelated to my art and my craft. And I didn't want to obviously put anything out there on Facebook or on Instagram that would out me um, because I knew that that would create problems. I didn't realize how much it would create a problem, but I knew that it would pick up, you know, people wouldn't be too happy with it. So I thought, man, I just want to post some memes. I just want to post some dang memes that I have. These memes are so good. I just want to express myself a little bit. Just a little pep, a little pepe. So, so I created, yeah, yeah, you know, and the pepes were fun and no one knew what it was. It was just like super fun back then. Man. Oh, those were the good days. Oh no. And uh, so I create, and I said, you know what? I'm 30 years old. I, don't have anything under my real name. I am known as Lady Alchemy. You Google Lady Alchemy, that was my entire identity. I, my real name was not used. And also in the performing scene, people don't know my real name. Like at, when I worked in the theater and my agent and all that, I mean, maybe my agent knew my real name just because of tax purposes. But for the most part, I don't know other people's names. Mm. I know them as fluffy, you know, bottom or, you know, like these were their names. Yeah. So people called me alchemy, you know, lady alchemy, lady, I would respond to lady, lady, yay. like these were what people knew me. At. And I remember when someone in the crew uh, found out my real name, saw my check or something, they were like, your name's Martina. Like, wow, that's so pretty. Like, well, like they don't know my real name. So I figured I'll use my real name and uh, I'll create an Instagram account and uh, I'll post memes. Right. And I, yeah, like, yeah, you know, uh-huh. it's exciting. And then Gavin McGinnis invited me on his show. I tweeted at him uh, and he said, oh, come on my show. I was like, okay, cool. And I went on the show. And uh, so when I posted, this is what a, how much of a boomer. I was telling you before you went live that I'm like boomer tech galore. Um, that's also my stage name, boomer tech galore. And uh, <laughs> uh, I uh, didn't realize this, but Facebook bought Instagram. So they were connected. And so when I created my new Instagram account, which oh, was gosh. under Martina Marcota, and I started posting memes and like Trump stuff. Uh, it directed all 5,000 followers of mine, uh, friends of mine on Facebook, everyone I worked with, all my like gay friends, my director, my producer, my agent, everyone was notified. Martina Marcota created a new Instagram account. And they went to it. Oh, cool. They go to it. And they're like, what the hell is this? Oh, no. You know, and so oh, it's kind of got out. And I went, oh, you know, I was like, how are these people <laughs> finding this Instagram account? I was like, how is this happening? And I found out that it was connected. I was like, oh, shit. I had to use another email and I had to like clean it up real quick, but it was too late. People found out. Um, and then they like, you know, the super angry ones that probably some haters of mine, they weren't particularly my friends, but they were like people I performed with. I like that, bitch, you know? Oops, sorry. Um, and uh, they, they went in. <laughs> And they saw, you know, we're really investigating it and they were like looking at the link and I created a blog and I was like talking about politics and the arts and, you know, being conservative in the arts and, you know, nudity in the arts and just different concepts that related to me, uh, you know, as an artist and being uh, having this political affiliation and they, they saw it. And then I started getting cold shoulders at work. So I was backstage and I was getting the, I'm very nice to everyone. I'm always like, hello, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, Hey, how you doing? And I would just get, I was just like, Oh, oh okay. Like something, something's funny going on right now. Like people are giving me hard, cold shoulder. Like when I directly say a lot of hi to them, it's like, like okay and then uh next thing i know on facebook there's like the girl the girl that was telling you about that i said uh was doing the racist stuff the host the you know she's like a singer slash like host introduces like the the performances she was like talking about you know you white people this and i was like okay uh so she was definitely very like black lives matter type girl if you can Mm -hmm. imagine those yeah, yeah. people and um i'm assuming i'm assuming so, this is a black woman you can't even be sure these days because there's a lot of white well, there's a lot of true. white people spitting the anti-white rhetoric so true. it's kind of strange true true 
Yeah, no, she yeah. she was a a black woman, very talented. I think she was on uh, The Voice or something. I don't know. I mean, uh, very talented, but it was just disappointing how vitriolic she was towards white people. Very angry, and um, and expressed it on stage, and it was no problem. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very then, it's very common, especially especially in America. It's I think it's yeah. far less I think it's far less of an issue here in the UK, but um, yeah. in America, I mean, even just especially seeing some of the stuff online. I mean, even some of the yeah. people that attack me and stuff like there, there's. I would agree with you. I think that Obama didn't. I don't. I think Obama didn't help with the the black, uh, white kind of uh, dynamic. It, it didn't used to be an issue when I went to. Uh, I went to NYU, but before that, uh, in two thousand, graduated high school two thousand three. So like two thousand three, two thousand four, when I was in my first college up in upstate in SUNY Cobleskill. Uh, I mean, back then we had inner city black kids from, from New York City who played basketball there. We had a great basketball team because of that. And, um, you know, these big city black guys, and they were really sweet and nice guys. And, uh, you know, listen to their mama, and, you know, all mm -hmm. that, those kinds of great, great guys. And then there were, uh, it was in the country. It was uh, actually an agriculture school upstate. So there was, you know, the smell of cow poop in the air and it was a farming kind of place so they had people doing ag business there so it was a mix of extreme country and extreme city and i mean we even had confederate flags hanging out like their dorm windows some of the like country mm. the hick ones and uh there was no race issue no one yeah. ever brought up anything yeah, and yeah. i was like friends with all of them and i was like yeah. oh wow never thought i was into the agriculture scene but these guys are really good they're good quality people they work hard they get up in the morning you know, they get married at 18, they stay married, work on their family farm, they're great. And then like all the, the black city people are like, oh, this girl's cool, you know? They're just like, <laughs> damn, white girl's got a booty, you know? Like, oh, like they, they love me, they're great. <laughs> you know, and it was like no one had an issue about any of it. And uh, I mean, could you imagine a Confederate flag being hanging somewhere with a bunch of inner city black kids nowadays? I mean, that yeah. would be, uh, someone would get stabbed or something. I mean, in the UK, you'd get stabbed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, what was I saying? So yeah, that girl that was the host, uh, Black Lives Matter girl, she saw that I commented, I know this is really dumb and it gets really minute, but this is kind of where things blow up a bit. Uh, she saw that I commented on Facebook on this other girl who worked where I worked at that theater and she was like a hostess and, you know, served, uh, drinks or whatever. And, um, beautiful model-esque black woman. Like she was like, Naomi Campbell. Oh my gosh, she's so gorgeous. And uh, I, she said something about not needing to hang out with people um, all the time in order to be their friend. And I said, yeah, girl, like I consider you my friend because I go to work and I see you every day and we interact every day. Like to me, like you're my friend. Like we don't hang out in our free time all the time, but like I consider you my friend. Um, and the host, the other girl goes, excuse me, miss, how do you consider a, a black sister your your friend when you're a Trump supporter, huh? Explain me, aren't you racist and homophobic and, you know, the whole, you know, that whole list of the, the being a Trump supporter. The stack, yeah. Yeah, the stack. And I was like, um, Ebony's been nothing but polite to me, uh, respectful to me, and I'm respectful back. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I... And uh, she was just like, I don't want to hear any of it from a racist. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. So I was really scared. And I was like, I'm a really sensitive person. And I was like, oh my God, I'm really nervous to go back into work. Like, that was really, really nasty. And uh, I talked to the director uh, at my theater and he said, um, yeah, I'm aware. Uh, we actually had a meeting about you and your politics. And he pulled wow. me in to a oh, meeting gosh. and I was like, really and i was like yeah you know and he was really great and he was a, he's a gay guy and he said you know i support hillary you know and i really liked her as a secretary of state and uh, i was like okay fine you know great and he was like well and you know we do acts where people urinate on an american flag and all this sorts of stuff so uh you know who are we to judge your politics? And I was like, okay, great, thank you. Like, I really appreciate that. But it didn't stop it being incredibly awkward when I was in the theater. I mean, I had people turning their back on me. They were fighting with me backstage. They would say, Trump is racist. I was like, racist how? The Mexicans. I was like, illegal Mexicans. We're all illegals. Oh my God. Okay, yeah, oh my yeah. God. 
Yeah. You know, and uh, just people are like, oh, I saw your blog. I have to say, I'm not impressed, you know, and everyone would just start going after me. But I felt protected enough uh, up until uh, election. Today's episode of Real Talk with Zuby is brought to you by our sponsors, OZ Lifestyle Brands. OZ Lifestyle Brands care a lot about the details. Their selection of men's accessories balance style with substance and quality and craftsmanship showcasing both casual and classic designs. They also make shopping really easy for you. You can just go check out their website, ozlifestylebrands.com. They've got a fantastic selection of watches, wallets, t-shirts, and other accessories, especially designed for men with ultra-discerning tastes. OZ is for men who have found their calling but don't feel the need to shout about it. So I recommend you go check out their full range of products over at ozlifestylebrands.com. To let them know that I sent you and to get 20% off your entire first order, just use the code ZUBYMUSIC at checkout. That is ZUBYMUSIC, Z-U-B-Y music at checkout to get 20% off your entire order at OZLifestyleBrands.com. OZLifestyleBrands.com. Go check them out. So election night, I threw a party in New York City. Uh, Proud Boys were there. It was Gavin McGinnis. You know, all sorts of people uh, were there. And uh, that's when I guess Antifa uh, took notice of who I was because of the Proud Boy Gavin kind of thing. And um, I never knew what Antifa was. So next thing I know, there's an article that comes out saying New York City Nazis, right? And I'm just like, what is this ridiculous article? And they're saying, they're talking about the election night party, they're bringing my picture up and they're saying she works, you know, this is the place that she works, that theater that I worked at, another theater that I worked at, you know, this is AKA Lady Alchemy, all this stuff, blah, 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 and saying Nazis. And I was like, this is so ridiculous that I I thought it was funny. You know, it was like so ridiculous that I found it kind of comical. I was like, yeah, ah, yeah. check what out was this the, article. What was the article in? Do you remember? It was just a blog spot by Antifa. Oh, okay. Oh, um, oh, it was so it was published by Antifa, not by a real publication. Yeah. No, no, no. It was just Antifa okay. doing a blog. Um, and I was like, I just thought it was so ridiculous that it was comical and I thought it was funny. So I posted it to my meme page, being like, LOL, this was absolutely ridiculous. Check this out. However, they did, you know, dox my hometown, my pl- place of work, the theater that I worked in, and all this stuff. And I had no idea what Antifa was. But then I started real, figuring out what Antifa was because I got all the phone calls to, um, you know, the theater that I worked at demanding that they fire this Nazi. Um, you know, all the other girls that performers that I worked with were extremely nasty. I mean, there was all sorts of like, let's kick her out of the scene. They were making posts. Oh, just so you guys know, Marcia Marcota, AKA Lady Alchemy. Now that's them doxing me, right? Because like I told yeah. you, Lady Alchemy, is one thing and no one knows my real name. Mm-hmm. But they were making sure that from that point on that they attach Lady Alchemy to Martina Marcota so they could, you know, ruin, they could dox Lady Alchemy sure. and connect my arts with my politics, which had no place. I mean, they connected their politics. Mm-hmm. What, you know, don't do that to my artwork. And, um, it, and then my agent started, you know, texting me and ringing me up saying, you know, everyone's saying you're a Nazi. What's going on? Like, blah, blah, blah. They sent me this link. I said, that's a blog. That's a, anyone can write anything on a blog. She goes, that's true. You know, but then it was like, everyone's demanding that they, you know, I, I, I don't book you anymore. They're mad at me for booking you. They say that they're going to refuse to work gigs if you're on it. Um, you know, this isn't re- this is really bad for clients. What if they find out, you know, look the stuff up. Um, you know, and uh, she said, there's, I'm sorry, there's really nothing I can do. It's just bad, bad business for me. And I, I have to stop booking you. So I lost my agent. And then uh, since election night, you know, I don't know how it, it felt for you or anywhere else in the country uh, or the world, but in New York and in particular that scene, I, I didn't think Trump was going to win. Um, everyone was like, you know, he's not going to win. I was like, I don't vote for people f- to be the winner. I vote for who I want to vote for. Yeah, yeah. And I'll come back into work with the tail between my legs, you know, and say, well, it was fun. Yeah. He lost, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah. But he won. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of funny to me because I'm like, oh. it was, it was you know, that theater. It was brilliant. Had, it was it was it was it was incre- it was freaking amazing. Wow. Like, uh, I, even from from so the UK, cute. I mean, I was, I mean, I thought it was fifty fifty. I thought it was fifty fifty. Yeah. And which which 
in itself, people thought that I was insane, but I have a habit of seeing things well before other people do. Um, yeah. cause I'm, I'm not really a, you know, I, I don't watch TV and I, I get my information. I, I lit, I follow so many different people and so many different sources of information that I always try to get not mm-hmm. end up in any sort of weird echo chamber or be blindsided by anything. It was the exact same thing with Brexit. Mm. You know, lots of my friends were like, "Oh, there's no way right. people will vote Leave." Everybody I know is voting Remain, so mm-hmm. Leave can't win. And I'm like, "Yeah, you only talk to people who are like in the exact same, the same as you. little circle." Yeah. yeah, exactly. So whereas I travel up and down the country with my music, I go, you know, I go all the way up north. I go to the Midlands. I go to Wales. I go everywhere. So it's like, okay, well, a lot of those places, a lot of those cities, I'm pretty sure majority of people are going to be voting leave. So mm. I th- again, I thought that one was 50-50. Um, but yeah, when Trump did win and seeing some of the, just just seeing people eat their words, yeah. you know, just just the the smugness, just see, <laughs> the smugness that some people had, some of those news That's anchors. That's what I thought was so funny. So was I was just like, wow, <laughs> I've never seen people, you know, like they were saying that Hillary had 99 chance Trump has 0%. I was like, wow. Like I've never seen people be so wrong on such a scale. Like it was incredible. I mean, it's still incredible to this day because they haven't learned anything. Oh, um, right. And I thought they would learn a little bit of something, but yeah, you're exactly right. They've only just doubled up. It's Mm. it's just getting worse and worse. They started calling black people white supremacists now. Yeah. Yeah, that does, doesn't even matter. Now no, you've got black Nazis, you've got Jewish oh Nazis, God, you've so got crazy. you've got Asian Nazis, you've got Arab Nazis. Like it doesn't it doesn't even matter now. It's just like <laughs> they've just gone off the edge. And I, that's the thing. I'm kind of like thinking, can you not just see the insanity of what you're saying? Yeah. Right. If someone if yeah. I don't know, I don't know. I thought that it would be, uh, you know, different where, oh, you were called a Nazi and everyone is freaking out, calling you Nazis and posting about you. And uh, the that's act absolutely ridiculous. And I would think a few years down the road that, that it's a bit of a joke that they'd be embarrassed about that, but mm. now it's worse. It it's is like worse. Absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, that theater that I worked at, apparently election night, they had performances prepared and rehearsed and everything was choreographed and ready to go for Hillary winning. <laughs> oh, and they ended up sitting in the dressing room crying, going, what do we do? We can't do this performance. Oh, Not that they were crying about the performance. They were yeah, crying yeah. about the election, but still they were like, I can't come out. Like, so funny. Yeah, it just like blew up after after yeah, the yeah. election. The theater ended up basically saying, um, "I haven't worked a day at that theater since the election because they they seemed cool in the beginning, probably because Trump wasn't going to win, and they were kind of protecting me and they needed me. But then after things got really volatile, and I, I was talking to the producer on the phone, um, I was just like, well, you know." I'm excited and I feel like I can't even express my, like, I can't be happy. I'm not allowed to be happy now. And he was like, yeah, but you know that people are really devastated right now. And I'm like, yeah, but like, and I was, I was told, I was like, so I have to contain my like happy, not that I'm going to go into work and be like, ha ha. Like, you know, I'm just kind of like wearing wearing, wearing your MAGA hat. You sure? I was just like the only person in New York City that was like, fuck around. <laughs> you know, like, how you doing, guys? Yeah. You know, everyone is like. Mm. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I was told pretty much like, oh, well, we're not going to need you regularly here anymore. I was working every night. And when you have your, you know, beautiful performances, we'll let you know when we want to book it. Never got asked of course. to come back. Ever. Wow. So, Yeah. But what was worse was the actual other performers, how they, it went, and again, you may know how this industry is, but at least the burlesque industry, the performing industry, uh, it's a really small world and we have internet nowadays. So what they were putting out on the internet reached all over the world. You know, I had people from all over the world. I had someone from Germany that's a burlesque person, uh, owns like a, a not a cabaret, a, I don't know, a venue, a theater. Mm-hmm. And I saw that he started following me when I was getting attacked. And uh, I said, oh, what are you here to attack me to? And he says, no, actually, I saw what happened to you. And I think it's messed up. And he was like totally on my side. And I was like, okay, sweet. You know, but <laughs> th- I was shocked. I said, wow, I reached Germany. You know, it reached all over. And that's why when people go, oh, well, you can perform when you're, in, when you're in the UK or whatever. I go, no, they have the same theater branch in London that I had worked at in New York. Like, it's a small yeah, industry. Yeah. It's the internet. Everyone knows who Lady Alchemy is. Mm. And it's not a good thing. <laughs> 
so they they really actively worked to ruin my career and uh, it worked uh, you know my my gigs dried up my agent stopped booking me uh, the theater stopped booking me and when i would try to you know salvage it and go well that's okay i'll find other bookings i'll get stuff on my own they would find out that I had another booking and complain and get the the venue or the producers. Uh, I mean, I remember I had this one lady, she's an old old lady, belly dancing lady, and she was totally on our side about like the, the political correctness stuff and the, and the SJW stuff. And she's an older lady. And so she was like, no, screw that. I, I want someone pretty, I want Lady Alchemy. Because <laughs> um, another thing that they were pissed off about me was that when they started attacking me, calling me Nazi, I was calling them fat and ugly because that's what the uh, industry is about. The burlesque industry has just become all about shock, pulling things out of their being oh, yeah. fat, you know, tattoos and just like the ugly and the perverse became what's mm -hmm. trendy. And so they viewed my work as like traditionally pretty and therefore boring. Not subversive so like, enough. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you guys are just fat and ugly anyway. <laughs> so then they're like, oh, she you called the burlesque community fat and ugly. Uh -huh. But then I had that old belly dancing lady that was like, I want all the burlesque girls are, are fat and ugly. I want lady <laughs> ugly. I was like, See, I told you. And uh, so she wanted me for a performance that was called um, Make America Sexy Again. <laughs> okay. Massa. And so she, yeah. And so, yeah, right. Massa. <laughs> and so she, <laughs> And so she, uh, you know, booked me and I said, well, I just want you to know what's going on with me. I was very afraid. I was afraid to walk into any venue, any venue, any gig that would have another performer. Um, I was literally afraid how nasty these people were to me. And uh, she goes, I don't care. I don't care. What are they going to do? Not turn, not play your music? I was like, uh, okay, if you want to book me, that's fine. I just want to let you know the drama that's going on. Next thing you know, like the day before the performance, after we were rehearsed after we set everything up she submitted her uh her roster um her her sheet of the performance list and what was going on to the venue and she got an email from the venue saying we see that lady alchemy is on the roster you need to replace her or your show is canceled and, where, and so where was i was like uh this is called the slipper room in new york oh and this is okay this is in new york and, too oh gosh yeah 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 and so uh i explained to her and she said oh you know they said that you're um a racist sexist and uh what was it like oh it was three things and it was so good because i explained to her i was like okay you know how like they're always attacking men about stuff or whatever blah blah, blah. she's like yeah it's like and then I would, I would explain and she goes okay that's true and then there was like another thing i was like well she's like what does this mean i'm like well you know how they do like this and they actually say that or oh, god i wish i knew what those three were uh, and she, she goes, yeah, yeah, that's true. I agree with you on that point. And I go, and I'm not racist. And she goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, I explained to her what things, yeah. things were. And she was like, yeah, I agree with you at that point. Yeah, I agree with you that. Okay. Yeah, I know you're not racist. It was like a sigh of like sadness. It was like, mm -hmm. I know. Um, and she goes, I'm really sorry. I was like, listen, go do your show. And I'll like replace me. I'm not offended. Like, I, I told you this was going to be an issue. Go do your show. And she felt yeah. extremely horrible and was like, I cannot believe it's this bad. So I couldn't even go find gigs on my own. They would really gather together to make a stink about it, to make sure that my, I was not performing again. And they would, were literally writing, let's get her banned. Let's make sure she never works in New York again. Let's get her out of New York. I was like, I'm born and raised in New York. You go back to your home. Uh, but they did. They you won. They got say, me out of the scene. You can't say that anymore, Martina. I know, I know. <laughs> you can't, you can't, and uh, you can't, you can't. I know, anything. and that's what I'm saying. You know what? They won. I was born mm. and raised in New York, and I thought that that would never happen, but they won. So they got me out of the industry. They ruined my, you know, career, and uh, I got a job in D.C. working for media. So I said, new chapter of my life. I'm okay. done being a performer, and now I'm going to work in media. I guess. So I packed my bags and moved to D.C. And then the first thing that happens when I moved to D.C is that they contact the press and start talking crap behind my back about me and saying she's this and she's that. And uh, they're out there and uh, Salon started talking to the other performers about me. And I was like, and they all the media started so, attacking so, my so new I have career. a question. So with all this stuff, what was there anything that they could like specifically point out 
that they were like referring to. So some evidence. So if they're saying, oh, she's this, she's that, she's that. I mean, what were, what was their evidence for this? No, it was, was just my edgy memes or she's this and she's that. It was just saying stuff. Uh, the only evidence that they had, which really, because there was two rounds. So after the election and me being outed was one round of like attacks, mm -hmm. just general like freaking out that like there's a Trump supporter in the midst, in our midst, you know, was like, crazy to them uh then there was a second round that happened around the inauguration and i was really really pumped about the inauguration i had it all starred and circled on my calendar and right around the inauguration another thing comes out so someone and i know who uh, a, a performer she started going through all the possible evidence she could collect on me right and so she came across a clip of me on Gavin's show when I was talking about what happened to me. And I said, oh, you know, the whole everything I explained to you and the blacklistings and everything. And I just started. I said the whole thing about Gavin saying they're just jealous. I was like, yeah, they're all fat and ugly. Right. So there I was calling them fat and ugly. And then Gavin was talking about the the trannies and, and stuff that I work with that I'm around and the freaks and all that. And when he said tranny. Um, it was around that time where I said, Kevin, you can't say that because they were considered the word tranny, not transgender. That's mm -hmm. correct. But you can't say tranny. That's derogatory. So I said, Gavin, you can't say that. And he goes, oh, sorry, gender N word. And oh. I, yeah. And so I was on the show with him next to him, just uh, like, yeah. oh, you know, and I just like awkwardly like laugh yeah, and I'm just like, yeah. what, you know? And, uh, so they clipped that, but somehow I'm the one that's in trouble about it. Like yeah. I was just in his presence. I didn't I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I awkwardly laughed because it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard come out yeah. of a mouth. I was like It's an it's the natural reaction if you hear something that, that makes you kind of right uncomfortable, but you're not really sure. If you like, saw okay, me, it wasn't just a yeah, like yeah, yeah. ha ha ha. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, Gavin. Yeah. It was just like, oh my God, uh, yeah. ha ha ha. And uh, so they clipped that and they just like pan in on me laughing. I was like, what did I do? I didn't say it. Yeah. So then all of my like gay and, you know, and, drag and, and, that, and, that, and that covers two of them as well, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe, so even, that... maybe even three. <laughs> maybe even three. That. That, that, that covers the uh, racist, transphobe and uh like sexist or misogynist that they they got right. them all in like in those two words somehow even that oh, you didn't God. even say i didn't even say it i was just mm. in the presence of someone uh i mean i'm sorry i can't predict what anyone is going to say in my presence while i'm on a, a cam on camera with them i mean i can't predict what you're gonna say uh i can't predict what i'm gonna what if i just started saying something absolutely insane and crazy? <laughs> you know it's like how do you vet that? Like, yeah. how do you have a, a career going out there and vetting that? I mean, Ann Coulter was on his show. Lots of people were on his show. Oh, and then they start clipping because, like, at the time, uh, Richard Spencer was on Gavin's show. I mean, he had a lot of different characters, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, he had uh, Zoe, what's her name? The one that, like, Ben Shapiro th threatened Ben Shapiro, the tranny. Zoe, Zoe Tur. Tur, yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, he had Zoe Tur on. I mean, he has all sorts of characters on but the way that this person that i worked with edited the video had the you know gavin comment with me in his presence and then it would clip oh also you know richard spencer goes on gavin's show and it was just yeah. like trying to create this you know the guilt, portrait guilt by association basically right but what did i actually say what did i actually do nothing yeah yeah, I mean, some. I'm sure there'll be someone who goes, okay, well, Zuby spoke to Martina, who spoke to right. Gavin, who spoke to Richard Spencer. So now Zuby is what's the term they use? Alt, alt right adjacent. That's that's yeah. the new one. It's it's not it's not alt right. It's alt right adjacent. So it's like you to, you talk to somebody who talked yeah. to somebody who talked to somebody yeah. who, and it's just like yeah. really, is this what I mean, we're? Are, am I not adjacent to Zoe Turner? I mean, how well, yeah. come it doesn't work that way? Yeah, I mean, you're so. SJ, you're SJW adjacent too. Right, right. I mean, I was friends with with drag queens and <laughs> trannies. Like my SJW adjacent. How come it doesn't? Well, I mean, to be fair, I've had a few, probably like two people from the the gay the LGBT scene that uh, stood by me. One of them actually went to my election night party and is a big Trump supporter. And then uh, the other one who isn't, um, but asked me to be in his music video, 
And I said, I don't think you want me in your music video. Like this is all happening to me. And he said, you're, you're in every one of my music videos. Like that's not going to stop. And uh, if in a music video that is about being persecuted for your sins, I think that you're the best fit for it. And you're always in my videos and you're my friend and I know you and you're not a bad person. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and he said that him and his director watched the Gavin clip and they laughed their ass off about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you laughed, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're, you're not meant to have a sense of humor anymore. This is the crazy, this is the craziest thing. It's like people are just yeah. trying to kill all, like, yeah. these people can't laugh. They can't laugh. Like there's no, it's just not fun. But the yeah. thing is that the side that's having the fun, like it doesn't come down to sides really, inverted commas. But mm. it's like the side that's having fun is the side that's winning. You know, mm. when you've got people yeah. who are having fun and able to make jokes and able to make memes and not be overly politically, like those are the people who are, who are going to be winning. Like if you're just constantly yeah. angry and outraged and upset and have no sense of humor, yeah. like, well. Well, I mean, it's been tough because I, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, w it was super fun and I felt like it, it was good. I've been a bit down more recently than ever because I feel like, things didn't pan out so well for me. Um, you know, it, it just, it, things have not gotten better uh, and I'm just getting older. So it, it really sucks working in the media, even on the right didn't really pan out either. Uh, I think the media has issues left and right, different issues, mm -hmm. but issues nonetheless. And um, so now I'm just sitting here in the middle of nowhere, UK being like, I used to be a star. Oh, but, no. uh, the point is, is that I think, <laughs> I oh, know, no. <laughs> it's so sad. So I was going to ask know, you, I, I mean, what, what, but, uh, what are, I, I, I think gonna, that the, oh, sorry, I think we're, we're talking over each other. I was actually going to ask you, I mean, what are, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the plan now? I mean, what are your next steps? Ideally, what do you see yourself moving towards? Right. And and that's the thing is like I, I I'm more depressed now than ever because I'm just like man I used to be a star things suck I have no income you know I I just see all my old work and it makes me sad and and they won they got me out and then they just ruined every career that I keep trying to do and I think well when what would they be happy would they be happy me working at Starbucks you know I used to be a star on billboards magazines performing every night to now being a measly you know waitress or something no offense to waitresses or people that work at starbucks very noble uh but then they would campaign and, and say she can't work at starbucks because she's an evil nazi so what do you want do you want me broke you want me dead you want what like what is it that you want um so these people really do want you you broke and dead and uh, there's there is no limit to how much they would want to ruin your life oh you mean uh, you mean so you mean you they're not keep... you mean they're not compassionate and tolerant and kind and inclusive <laughs> terrible terrible people mm. but yeah so to answer your question is that uh yeah i've been trying to get back into it a little bit got to get out get back into shape my performing shape I've been doing some photo shoots lately and creating new costumes and trying to reinvent myself with Lady Alchemy. So that's good. Um, it's not paying the bills like it used to because it's costing me money now to make costumes and I get paid for it. But uh, yeah, I'd like to get back into it. I'm, I'm in my mid thirties. I need to have kids and stuff like that. But I figure if Beyonce can have a kid and still be out there performing and dancing around then there's there's no stopping lady alchemy from from having some kids and then picking back up and going out and and continue doing it so uh yeah i don't have any direct plans well so i performed in london uh with vanity the i think a week or so before i met you i think that's why i was invited to your show was because I was on the same show uh, a week or so before, in March, March 15th, actually. So I don't know, you'd you be the judge okay. of how far away it was. And uh, so that was the first time I performed in like two years. Uh, and then I haven't really done anything in front of an audience since then. So I, like I said, just get my back into shape and make new costumes, make new routines and start building this, uh, the foundation for getting back out there, um, you know, and, uh, Hopefully, uh, get back out there soon. Awesome. Well, I make some photo shoots. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always a, if you're resilient and you persevere, there's always a way forwards and upwards. I don't think that 
I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of stuff that people can face that will keep a, someone who maintains a positive frame sort yeah. of down forever. We all we all hit, hit these, you know, this this is more than a speed bump. That's, you know, a very targeted effort to, you know, blacklist somebody, take somebody <laughs> out. But, um, you know, there's always a way back up from these things. And I think by mm. sharing your story, I mean, at least with my audience and other audiences, you know, I think there's, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be learned from it. And there are, I've never heard it quite to this yeah. degree, but there are so many people out there, thousands of people, if not millions of people who yeah. are kind of facing the same thing, you know, whether they're kind of in the closet yeah. politically. Um, I get so many messages and DMs from people like that on different industries who are kind of like, yo, Zuby, man, like what you're doing is amazing. You're so brave. You you just put your thoughts out there. I can't do that. I'd get fired or whatever. And I'm just like, man, this is right. like it runs so much. It runs so much deeper than I initially realized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely took the hit for it, but I do get people that, uh, like I said, that place in Germany and I have individual performers that reach out to me and and. I've met new friends in the in the burlesque and in the performing industry that do agree with me that they they are really frustrated by the scene. They can't say anything. And at times I advise them, I say, it's not really worth ruining your career. Um, I understand the frustration. You can come here and you can come talk to me when you want to vent and when you want because that's what I didn't have. I didn't have a place to be like, oh my God, this is so ridiculous. Check yeah. out this post. Like, look at this. So, I don't, you know, and so when I can create a little group, which I have done, of people that we can just kind of talk to each other about, uh, and, and I advise them, it's not worth ruining your, ruining your career over. You can come talk to us, no problem. And, uh, you know, I can, I, I've become, and I've noticed that there are other people, like you say, that do feel that way. They are in the, in the closet. They are from different industries. But that is also something that leads me to uh, talk about the importance of art and culture and especially on the right, because people think, I know a lot of other conservatives that also say, well, why even bother? The left have the arts, mm. you know, the left have Hollywood, don't even bother. Why are you even bother? And th that's, that's a defeatist mentality. Um, I mean, Hollywood during the golden age of Hollywood, the golden age mm -hmm. was Republican. You know, there was McCarthyism. There was a time where they were saying, no leftists allowed in here and you, they are becoming blacklisted. And so now things have flipped. I mean, did the left go, oh, well, they have Hollywood. They have the arts. They have culture. You know, Why even bother? No, they didn't. They went in and they fought. And now they, then they took over. Yeah. Don't you feel it's kind of sad that it even has to be a war to begin with? You're like, it's, I just want to make music. I just want to see art. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I just, oh, totally. Like, I I'm totally. Like, you know I mean? I'm, well, I'm and that's rapper, the thing. My I'm, art isn't. Yeah. It's not political. Yeah, and that's the what? thing is that my art is is not political either, and that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to make political art, but what I'm saying is that there can be a place where we won't be blacklisted and tormented and have our lives and careers ruined just because we happen to have a political um, stance. So when you can like level out the people behind the scenes a bit, then you can express yourself in any way, and it's not a big deal. Um, you know, whether your art is political or not. Mine personally isn't. Lady Alchemy is not political, but I think if you look deep down into it, it can represent conservative ideals because it's about beauty. It's about classical Greek and Roman like sculpture poses. It's about, you know, religious looking headdresses and robes and, and aesthetics. It's about, you know, Western tradition alchemy. So in a sense, you can see the uh, conservativeness of it, uh, but it's it's not overtly like MAGA, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Trump kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah awesome. um, and I well, think I'm, that's what's I'm great. Um, so I'm sorry, sorry, it's this weird delay. I'm sorry about that. No, Go ahead. it's okay. It's okay. I know. I was actually just saying, looking at the time, we're we're I think we've just gone over an hour, so we're going to need to oh. um, tie it up fairly soon. But I, I feel like there was something you were about to say, so I don't want to interrupt that. Yeah, I'll just say like one more thing real quick. I don't know. It's just like a random um, anecdote. But me and my husband are lately <laughs> really into watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> we are on a like roll watching Fresh Prince. And we just find it amazing because the uh, the Banks family is this well-to-do, uh, wealthy, black family that uh, we notice that they are Republicans. They make references to it all the time, being Republican. 
and um, and they they always talk about these morals and and all sorts of stuff. And just think it's amazing that even in the '90s there was a time where you can have a, a black Republican family uh, on TV and no one was flipping out about it, calling them white supremacists or racists. Oh no, no, that's that's only in the past sort of. 2016 broke everything, man. 2016 is going to go down as a very historic year, I think. I mean, it's yeah. changed the reality for so many people in different directions too. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, I just think it, it just tore a hole in the fabric of reality for better or for worse. I don't know yet. I think we need to see what happens when the dust, the dust hasn't settled yet. The dust hasn't even begun to settle. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where it all goes from here. But um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, Martina. It's been uh, really interesting to hear your story. Um, I really wish you all the best. I hope that you can, I know that you will find a way to make this work and climb out of this position that, you know, you haven't put yourself in, but other people seem to have kind of dragged you down into. Um, and where can people find you online if people want to follow you and check out your work? Yeah, thank you for letting me tell my story. Um, it, I often feel really upset because I feel like I'm not heard and people don't know um, my struggle. But uh, so thank you for letting me get it out to other people that may not be aware. Um, well, the thing is, I have, again, two personas. So if you are interested in my perspective on politics or whatever, you can follow Martina Marcota. It's Martina Marcota on Twitter, M-A-R-T-I-N-A-M-A-R-K-O-T-A. Same thing on Instagram, if you like memes and all that fun stuff. Uh, and if you're into checking out my artwork, if you want to see what Lady Alchemy is about, uh, if you like beauty and if you like art, uh, if you like alchemy, you can check out Lady Alchemy on Twitter and on Instagram. Twitter, it's Lady Alchemy 33 and which actually is a story real quick. Uh, they burlesque girls saw that my Twitter handle was Lady Alchemy 33 and they were like, I just realized her that's her handle. And uh, I just realized that Hitler started his first concentration camp in 1933. What do you think, oh guys? I'm like, you guys, are, 33 is an esoteric number. It involves alchemy and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Look it up. Uh, on Instagram, it's lady underscore alchemy. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Martina Marcota, thank you so much for coming on the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.